Hebrews chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same. And your years will never end. To which of the angels did God say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Thank you, Shane. Uh, Good evening, my name is Ian. Good to see you here. Uh, Peter O'Brien texted me this afternoon. He was our speaker yesterday. just asked me to pass on a big thank you uh, to all those who came out yesterday. He had a great time. We put him up for the weekend, and so uh, he was uh, thoroughly enjoying being down on the south coast. Uh, He hadn't done that for a while, so uh, thank you again for those who came out. Jesus, greater than. It's a funny thing, this thing called greatness. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I ponder it. I think Ash Barty is awesome, disappointed she lost in the semi-finals, great player, great sports person. Uh, and many of you might know people, you'd look back and think, they're just such great sports people, stars, doctors, whatever it might be, teachers. Did anyone here, or does anyone here have a great high school teacher? Go on, you might, teacher might be here. So, Did anyone have a great principal, great mentor? I mean, there's people like that in my life. I've got a great mentor. He's been part of my life for a long time. As you think about greatness, we need to think about that because we're going to jump into this part of God's Word. And look, I encourage you to read it. 
there's 13 chapters in Hebrews, we're doing the first nine. There's some good parts that help you understand. There's some other parts that will stretch you, that will require you to think long and hard. You'll have questions and I encourage you to put them in your care cards to ask questions as we go. But this thing called greatness, um, I think it's true to say that most of us, all of us, want to be good at something. want to be known for something. Maybe want to be great at something. Uh, if you have brothers and sisters, often you want to compete with them, and especially if you're the youngest, you want to make sure you can beat them at something. It's, you know, Logan's nodding there, it's true in my case. Uh, my brother up, uh, I just had the edge on him in a game called Squash, and I, I love beating him, and I think the reason I did that just was to see his reaction at the end of the game. He didn't like it, and then he gets a redhead, and so he'd get really angry. But that, I just love that. It just shows you how bad I was back then. Um, but, you know, you want to be better at someone. It's sport, I don't know, school, exams, singing, whatever it might be, guitar playing, you name it. We all have this desire to beat someone, and especially if they're older than you or someone you look up to. But eventually, even though you might think you are great at something, it will fade. You won't maintain that greatness. I moved from squash to table tennis and I thought I was pretty good at table tennis until I had the chance in a competition to play the Australian champion. It took about 30 seconds to realise how bad I was and I wasn't as great as he was. Uh, And it doesn't last, this greatness sense. Um, No matter what's happening with you, even it happens in uni. You might want to beat someone in, in Bible college. I had a dear friend, we'd study Greek together. And look, the truth is we used to try and compete who'd get the best Greek mark back. Uh, it just is something that you just drive to, but greatness in our world doesn't last. It's great, uh, I've had a chance to be involved in the things on a Saturday called park runs, uh, and it's great because you can look at your age category and think, that's okay, for the over 80s I'm still going okay. Um, because when you're running uh, and you see a 12-year-old run past you, you realise, gee, they're fast, I can't keep up with them. And it's a good humbling experience to remind yourselves you were... Maybe you could run fast once, but you can't do it as much today. Greatness comes to us in all sorts of ways, but when you stop and think about the one and the only one who is great above all things, it's Jesus. He's greater than anyone else, greater than any prophet, any angel, you'll see that, greater than anything. He was great last year, he was great 100 years ago, he was great 2,000 years ago, he's great today, he's going to be great in the future. And that should remind us about the journey we're on. And Hebrews, why is it so important? Because it actually highlights how great Christ is. His uniqueness in God's plan of salvation. Uh, if anything, the thing I keep grabbing hold of and every preacher will talk about is that Jesus is greater than anything else. And as you think about this and even why is this letter being written, we don't know who wrote the letter. But the Christians back then, most would consider the letter itself was written about 64, 70 AD. Christians were struggling under Nero's persecution. They were concerned for their future. They were concerned for maintaining their faith. And things were looking bad and there was a desire probably to move back to Judaism. And sometimes the older you get, the more you want to think it would be great to go back to how simple life once was. Uh, You know you can't. And so they were struggling in their own Christian faith. And so the letter is a very pastoral letter written to encourage them and the word is to persevere. No matter how hard it is, Jesus is greater than your circumstantial situation. He is there in your life. You can call upon him any time and any place. 
Uh, many of you might remember the reminders that come from Acts. If you haven't read Acts lately, the, the great history of the church, Acts 5.42. Day after day we read in the temple courts and from house to house they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. That Jesus is the Messiah, Acts 5.42. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2 For I resolved to know nothing, says Paul, while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians 2 To know nothing, and may it be that as we journey through we also have a desire to know nothing else except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we launch into this series, may it be our hearts are in tune with your heart. Father, speak to us directly. May your vision of Jesus be our vision a Christ who is greater than anything else we've known or experienced. And may that stir us into our lives and into the future each and every day. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, three things I want to touch on tonight, spoken and communicated. We realise how great Jesus is, spoken and clarified. I go to an optometrist down at DAPTO, let's call her name Melinda. Um, and she's always, when you take your glasses off, you get in those machines and she put drops in your eyes and she's saying, can you see that clearly, Ian? No. She put another uh, magnifying glass in front of you and you can't see anything. Oh, I, now I can see. And that's what happens in the start of Hebrews. You want, the writer wants us to really see clearly who Christ is, and then finally those magical words that maybe you picked up as Shane read from verses 5 to 14. The uniqueness, the crystallisation of who Christ is and his glory. And people in the ages will stop and ponder the greatness of Christ. And that's what we too should do, ponder his greatness. One writer from days gone by said this, Behind the debris of our self-styled, sullen supermen, there stands the gigantic figure of one person, because of whom, by whom, in whom and through whom alone mankind might still have hope. The person of Jesus Christ. The person of Jesus Christ. I love that. Uh, some of you might know G.K. Chesterton, uh, writer of many things. But it's a great line. And even in 2020, the one person that we still can have hope in with all the change that we see, with all the pain and the gaps and the struggles, is Jesus Christ. I... Uh, it's awful to read the news of uh, the, those young children who have been killed uh, in the last 24 hours by a car accident. Three kids from one family. It's just devastating. The brokenness of this world. And yet still we know that and we want to say no matter how good we are, no matter how great we think we are, there's one person, the greatness of Jesus Christ, and finally, just before I jump into it, um, I love the Narnia series. Many of you maybe know Narnia, all those uh, read Narnia, like movies, etc. Um, it, it's a great line. Where is it? We, we read this from that series. Maybe it's not there now. Where is it gone? There it is. Uh, R. Kent Hughes says this. C.S. Lewis uh, portrayed the going Christian's experience of an ever-enlarging Christ in his Chronicles of Narnia. Lucy, caught up in her spiritual quest, saw the line Aslan Christ, and I can't do a Liam Neeson voice over, so I won't try. Shining while huge in the moonlight, welcome child, he said. Aslan, said Lucy, you're bigger. That is because you're older, little one, answered he. Not because you are. I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Hughes comments in his comments, which I love, expanding souls encounter and expanding Christ. Hebrews presents the greatness of Christ like no other New Testament writing, and it's true. 
and second because it repeatedly demands a response. If you believe and hold firmly the fact that Christ is the greatest thing ever, it calls for a response daily, weekly. It calls for a response in how we live our lives. It calls for a response in how we connect with each other and how we relate to each other, in how we pray, in how we worship, in how we sing. If you hold to the fact that Christ is the greatest thing of all things, it moves you and gets you to stop and accept who he is, the creator, the sustainer, the ruler. He reigns over all things. He represents God. And like that's wow. So let's jump in as we think about this. Again, spoken, clearly communicated, clarified. Let's see how it's clarified. Hebrews 1, uh, 1 to 4. I hope you've got your Bibles there or your iPhones. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, yes, we are in the last days from the Bible's perspective. Uh, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. I mean, that's how he opens his letter. It's wonderful. It's encouraging. Uh, it's clear, reminding us of how God has spoken to us in these days. It reminds us that God doesn't have to speak again in some other format, in some other way. He has spoken his last word in Jesus Christ uh, in these last days. And I love the sense, the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation. I love that language, exact representation. Often you know uh, when people see uh, you or see your children, they'll say things like, you're just like your dad. Or you're just like your mum. Men don't say to their wives, you're just like your mother. That's bad language, so we don't use that. That doesn't help us. But it's true. And when you have kids, I've got three, uh, and you hear them talk, or their inflections, or the way they laugh, it's like people say, oh, you, you are just like your dad. Now, you mightn't like that. I know that if people say it to you, uh, but tough it's true and you know that and I know that and it's a good thing and this the fact that Christ is God in the flesh and you know hard to believe we only celebrated Christmas what six weeks ago or something we celebrate the fact that God came into this world in the in the person of Jesus the exact representation and it's true and we hold on to that and it's a wonderful thing that we can know that and echo that and affirm that and speak to us. And he sustains all things. You see, the writer to Hebrews already wants people to get a sense that, look, Jesus Christ is the answer to every human need. To every human need. Not just some, not just tomorrow's, every human need. It is Jesus who understands that. It's Jesus who knows us. It's Jesus who sustains things. It's Jesus who is the one true God. Um, verse 4, So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to these. He is superior to all things. Uh, and, and it's a wonderful thing to realise that. That no matter my need or my situation or the condition of my soul, I can find satisfaction 
and answers in Christ. And maybe sometimes we don't sort of think, wow, that's great, you know, I've heard that last week. Fantastic. Guess what you're going to hear next week, in case you're wondering. You're going to hear Shane give you a warning about knowing where you stand with Christ. It matters. It really matters where we are. The other day, uh, down, many of us go down to North Beach for coffee, etc. And if you're sitting outside the kiosk, you know there's limited tables and chairs. And so often, I don't know what you're like, you might not sit. But if there's a spare seat near a table, I'll just sit there. I'll say to someone, do you mind if I share the table? Uh, I did that the other week with a guy and uh, he's in the middle 50s and like most men do, you just start talking. Uh, well, that's what I do anyhow. Um, and he shared his whole life story in about 3.2 minutes. Uh, he's been in a partnership for over 20 years. He's struggling now. He doesn't know what to do. He works at Blue Scope. Um, he's concerned about the bushfires, the state of the world, uh, the drought, wondering what to do. So he's sharing all this as we introduced ourselves and spoke to each other. It's fantastic. And then he gets like, and what do you do? I'm a pastor of a church. And what, when he went, oh, uh, and I, oh, that's it. Um, which church? He went to another stage. I said, a church at Fig Tree. Fig Tree Anglican. Oh, okay. And he said, I, there was a bloke that I used to know. Um, I said, oh, well, the guy before me, who was the senior pastor, was a guy called Rod Irvine. Irvine, I work with his son David at Blue Scope. That's a wonderful connection. And uh, he spoke about David. Some of you might remember uh, uh, David, um, who lives up in Queensland now. And so he spoke about and It was a great connection. We spoke about that. Uh, and I'm trying to move him as he's talking about life and he's uh, going way back in his life. I'm wanting to move to the point of, have you ever thought about Jesus? But we closed down the conversation before that point. But it's a reminder that you, know, you want people to get this. You want people to understand it matters. Uh, you know, this reality that God brings and speaks in such a dramatic way. Christ is the final word to man. Appointed heir over all things. All things begin with Jesus. All things end with Jesus. This is Paul's argument in the letter to the Ephesian church. Uh, all the events find their fulfilment in Jesus Christ. And it's wonderful. I mean, you can look at John 8. Before Abraham was, the Bible tells us, Jesus says, I am. I was there. And if you ever want to sort of see a bit more detail about the argument of God's existence through science, go and put on YouTube and listen to a guy called John Lennox. Uh, he's just fantastic, a great debater, brilliant mind, mathematician, great theologian. He just really helps us understand the power of who Christ is. But we need to grab that. Spoken and clarified, Christ is the one from God. Uh, let's go further because you want to think about what's the impact on that. Well, those verses from 5 to 14, it really crystallises in the words that we see. And it's true to say, and I'll give you some of the Psalms, but there's an incredible amount of Psalms that are quoted as you go through this. Verse 5, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. So it raises that rhetorical, so in the sense that well, God never said that to an angel. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. Maybe the writer back then was concerned that as people were drifting, 
and maybe losing confidence in who Christ was and the impact in their daily life, maybe they were getting, well, maybe he's just an angel. Maybe he's not just the Son of God. And there are some faiths who might say that. And my guess is you have to still deal with Hebrews and the language it uses as this writer who we don't know who he is. And that was affirmed yesterday. We won't know to glory uh, who wrote Hebrews. You can speculate all you like. But it's a profound thing to realise that everything has come to this point about who Christ is. The majesty of God. Who do we worship? We sing songs about Jesus. We acknowledge his authority over all things and in my life. And speaking of the angels, he makes the angels spirits. What are angels? Look, the Old Testament over a hundred times mentions angels. The New Testament probably 150, over 150. They're there. They're ministering servants. They exist. They were there at the birth of Christ. Exodus 25 uses language about them being large winged creatures. There's a lot of language in scripture about angels. They are messengers. Angels worship and praise God and they communicate God's message and they minister to believers. Um, Finally, the Bible tells us they'll actually bring God's judgment in the end. And they are with the church when you can see it in Luke 15 when one sinner repents, even the angels in heaven rejoice at that. Um, You can see that again in Hebrews, uh, Revelation 5. Uh, Then I looked up, John says, and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircle the throne, the living creatures and the elders. They're there. They exist. They're, They're part of what we understand to be true. But in no way are they at the same level of Jesus Christ. In no way, shape or form. Christ is superior to the angels Uh, and the Psalms that you can look at Psalm 104 which is quoted Psalm 45 which is quoted as well we'll get to it Psalm 102 uh, is also quoted Uh, again reminds us but about the sun he says your throne O God will last forever and ever the writer is not talking about angels he's talking about Jesus A scepter of justice will be a scepter of your kingdom. You know we talk about the kingdom of God. We know we talk about, as we've done through Matthew's gospel, that Christ is building his kingdom on the good news of Christ. Uh, Verse 9, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. You can hear another psalm being echoed there. Christ is not only the originator, and if you haven't read Colossians lately, it affirms this as well. Christ is not only the originator, but the sustainer of the universe. The one behind all things, the one who is keeping everything eternally moving, day after day. It's a wonder and an amazing thing to realise what God has done in Christ. And as we journey through this series of Hebrews, uh, I really do hope that by the time we get to the end, that no matter what you hear, how you're encouraged, and there's some wonderful verses in Hebrews, and I really don't want to steal the thunder of all those who will speak after me, but the wonderful words about Hebrews 4, that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence, 
beautiful verse in chapter 4, verse 12. Uh, the struggle of, well, can you lose your salvation? That came up yesterday. We'll talk about that in chapter 6. The reminder, which we'll look at later on in Hebrews 10, that we should keep meeting together. The fact that we should run the race in verse 12, we sh- in chapter 12, we should run the race marked out for us, throwing off everything that entangles the sin. This desire to see us get to the end. And sometimes in my life I wonder, as I talk to different people, I wonder if I'll get to the end. And when I say the end, the end of their life still worshipping Jesus. I've had moments in my life where I wonder, wow, will I, will I get to the end? Still praising Christ. When good days come and bad days come and challenges come and you see loved ones go, you think, oh, sometimes it can get all too hard. But the writer says, really, remember who Christ is. He's holding you firmly, moving you along. Look, the angels are fantastic, but they're servants. Let me just remind you, no angel can save you. Only Christ can bring salvation into your life. The superiority of Jesus stands out. The message of Hebrews is for the church back then and it's for us today. Uh, It's a message for those who struggle, for those who tremble, for those whose lives are not turning out the way you thought, for those who sense there's a gap between themselves and the one who made you, for those who struggle in family life and in life generally. Christ is superior to that. He cares for you. He loves you. He wants you to know that. The writer goes on at the end, to which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand? Like that's, isn't that amazing? Actually God said, sit at my right hand. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We're called to believe in him. And especially in our greatest hour of need, and challenge God has revealed himself in his son Jesus Jesus is the final word the greatest word the greatest word of all time I hope and pray you don't get tired of hearing about him or worshipping him or praising his name or talking about him over weekends or in your life groups um, the regen retreat or whatever it might be it is Christ and therefore our relationship with Christ that really matters. There are times in life that we can feel sometimes this great gap. As the band comes up, uh, one old writer, let me conclude with this, Oswald Chambers, as the band is arriving. There is only one being, he says, who can satisfy the last aching abyss of the human heart. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this gap, this this. You know, old ones would say we all have a hole in our heart that can only be filled by Jesus. You can try and fill it with other things. You can fill it with job. You can fill it with exercise or sport or friendships or social media or money or more degree, whatever it might be. There's only one person who's going to bring you that completeness internally and that is Jesus Christ. And that is the point the writer of Hebrews wants us to know and hold on to. Christ is is greater than all things. Jesus is greater than anything else. He is superior and indeed, praise the Lord, he is God's son. May it be that week in and week out we gather together to rejoice in his greatness, to remind ourselves how we together, which was Joe's point, we do it together 
to rejoice when we have communion. We do it together as a family meal and we rejoice in what God has done. Maybe we keep holding on to that because we too get it that Jesus is greater than. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all good things. We thank you though for Jesus Christ. Father, help us have ears to hear. Help us hold on to these truths that can only come from you. And Father, may it be that in the good days we rejoice in your goodness and in the hard days we cling on to you, knowing that you've gone before us and that you'll carry us from here to the end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.